Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. All right, ladies. So today for our episode, we have Kristen Kunk with us, and she is a health and life coach. And super excited because I know it's something many of us struggle with, myself personally, especially being postpartum and ending quarantine. I'm not feeling the best about my body right now. So it's awesome. She's here. She actually coaches women on gaining confidence so they can start living their life and feel good about the body and their skin that they're in and how to navigate that through by the mental capacity starting off with, I would assume. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. No, that um, is correct. So, good. So thanks for being with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. We're excited too. I know it's always a fun excited. topic. I feel like sometimes you, we have a topic about like body image and obviously Rachel's book just came out about with body, a lot of that part of it in there too, where I feel like it's a, it's a topic that never gets old. It's always relevant. People mm-hmm. struggle with it all the time. And it's cool that there are so many different people that can kind of tackle it from different angles too. So yeah. And it's always really interesting too, because when I talk with clients or potential clients, you know, they always say, I want to be able to lose weight. And that always seems to be the first goal they want. But when we start to dig in, you always figure out that it's usually more about just wanting to be able to feel confident in their body and yeah. be able to like be present with it today and where they are in life. So how did you, um, this could be a very open question (laughs) and probably still a work in progress, but like, what was it that, um, led you down this path, I guess? Yeah. Went through that yourself, figuring yourself out. Mm -hmm. So I like to say I kind of spent the first quarter of my life as a yo-yo dieting, body hating hot mess. Mm -hmm. And it was really when I probably got to around my 30th birthday And my husband, my now husband and I, we were talking and he had just really seen me struggle continuously with meal plans and starting a new diet on the next Monday and just struggling with my body image and who I was as a woman. And I was not comfortable with my body at all, like in front of him. And so we just had a really deep conversation and he was just like, you're so fixated on this that it is actually tearing us apart. And that was a really big. I had always had kind of like ahas throughout the first part of my life, but that was just a really big aha for me and kind of a turning point where I needed to figure figure it out because I was actually not just hurting myself, but I was taking somebody else down with me and hurting our relationship. And because of that kind of boost and encouragement and support from him, it allowed me to really kind of look elsewhere and outside of dieting and a meal plan and the next quick fix and investing my money in something else. And I actually ended up stumbling upon the intuitive eating book and really was curious about that lifestyle and if it could really work for me. So over the next four years until now, I've slowly had been implementing those steps. And I didn't always believe them at first, but when I started to see the small incremental change, when I truly let go of diets, re- rewrote like my relationship with food, started focusing on my body image, like I and creating kind of life on my own terms, I started to see all this little transformation and that was what kept me going. And then now, because I've been able to, you know, go down my own personal journey and shift my mindset and how I show up in life, I have now <laughs> found it to be my mission to want to help everybody else and all these other women, especially with the conversation that is happening, you know, in our current culture, diet culture right now. 
Right. Amen to that. That's like the yeah. story of my life. And, and <laughs> prior to recording, we were joking about AOL chats and stuff. And so I was just, the, the phrase like, have you been checking my mail? Like, seriously, like everything that you just said is what I have gone through. And I know that Aaron has gone through it. And it's like this commonality between women is that when we go down these paths of like, just, you know, yo-yo dieting, body shaming, self-loathing, it almost becomes so consuming that we shut out the outside world and everything is solely focused on us, like who we are. And then it's like, we we're almost afraid to allow people in because there's so much shame and guilt attached to these, you know, concepts because we don't want people in to see how flawed we mm-hmm. are. And it's like, we're, we're, just, we're so like fixated on every flaw, every insecurity, everything that is wrong where we lose focus and that whole perspective is shifted inward versus outward from from like a place of positivity and in hope and inspiration. So mm-hmm. we need more women like this sharing their stories because we still see this in the diet culture. We still see this, especially with young girls and, and young adults that are carrying this forward. And even now, women, even in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on, still have this attachment to it because we haven't let go. Yeah. And this wasn't something too where, oh, it started when I was 30. No, like I ended up having to like go all the way back and figure out, okay, what was kind of the trigger for me? And for me, it honestly started when I was nine years old. And I had a huge transitional year in my life. Like we ended up getting switched schools. We moved to a new neighborhood. It was all of the things. I had a tough time making friends. You know, little girls aren't the nicest sometimes welcoming, welcoming new people in the class. And I started to kind of figure that story out. And then how did I start showing up in life? And, you know, I did turn to food, which then, yes, it made me gain weight, but I was covering up all of these other problems with that. And it just, it started to spiral after that. And many iterations later, you know, I am where I am now, thank God, because I was able to be strong enough to change it. But it is one of those things because especially because everybody looks at weight as such a problem. And like, that's the thing that needs to be fixed. And I, I was like, no, it's not. There's just so many other things I had to dig into and heal within myself and that little girl who was nine years old. So stop right there with this. This is good. We can go down something here. So I feel like, okay, when you're, you're, you're eating, you were turning to food to Mm -hmm. cover up whatever XYZ is fixing each problem. What did you decide or what did you find that worked best for you to replace that with? Like when I'm feeling this way and I have those natural tendencies and I want to go eat something to feel better, what did you personally decide to do instead? Because I mean, anyone can fill those with different things, healthy or unhealthy. We just replace them with something else. Yeah. And a lot of the times, you know, at first it was me being like, do I want to go for a walk? Do I want to have a glass of water? Do I want to listen to a podcast or read a book? Something like that. But then I started, as I kept doing the work, I started to ask myself questions in the moment. And it just started to be like, why do I want the food? Am I actually hungry? Am I craving that? Do I need it? What is... And then tuning into my body and truly understanding in that moment, what is it that I needed? And sometimes it is like, I realized I'm really stressed out right now, or I had a really bad day and I'm turning, I'm, you know, reverting back to wanting food to fill an emotional void that way. It's really hard and deep work to get to that spot, to be able to be brave enough and empowered enough to ask yourself those questions in the moment. It took me time, but it's truly just 
that reflection point for me and having an honest conversation with myself. Right. And that's so, so, so important is that we really have to get to the root of it. And that is going deep. And we, we really have to start peeling back these layers and start asking ourselves why, 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 and get all the way down to the root of where this trigger had come from. Why do we feel this emotional void? What, is, what are we trying to solve here? And it takes asking those hard questions. But I, for many, it's like when we try to reflect inward, when we go inward, it's almost like there's that resistance because it's dark and scary there. And we just don't want to go there because, well, who wants who to does? go in there, right? Like it, <laughs> you're going to be pulling out some skeletons and right. cobwebs and all kinds of crap back there. <laughs> but it's so necessary for growth. You have to know where you came from to know where you're going. And you have to get all the way down to the root. And it's funny because when you like, you'll start identifying certain triggers. You're like, oh, maybe that happened when I was like 17. And then you go, wait, wait, but that went back to like 13, 12, 9, 10, you know, and so on. And you start really funneling down. And then when you get there, it's like you almost relive that, but in not in like that negative way. You've now have the root of it. And you're like, okay, great. How can I mend that root? How can I now create a positive habit to replace this negative habit that I was doing? And it's not so much not the, the replacement of the habit, but it, now that you've identified it, you can correct course. Mm-hmm. And so we start looking at the pattern. And then as the pattern starts showing up, you correct course as you go. And mm-hmm. having that awareness helps fill that void too. Yeah. And I think it's also, it is really scary for clients when I'm like, you need to ask yourself these really tough reflection type questions. Because they then realize, oh shoot, I have to actually take accountable, like accountability that I had a role in this. And sometimes that's really scary to do because for lack of better words, we're so used to blaming somebody else or something else for us feeling and being this way. When at the end of the day, it's, you know, you're making a bunch of choices in your life. And unfortunately, you just we're going down that path and you get to choose today to make a different choice. Absolutely. Yeah. And it it ultimately comes down to personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. What was done to you in the past is in the past, whether you're a child or whether it was just yesterday, you have to take responsibility for what was then. And if it was something that happened to you when, you know, back when you're a child at that point, you have to realize that's not your fault. You were a child. You can't hold on to something that, that was done to you, you know, like whatever it may have been. But what you can do is take responsibility and control of your life and your choices and your actions and your beliefs as of today. And that's, that's the acceptance part. That's the responsibility part. So the past is the past. Just let that stuff go. It's easier said than done, but it's, it, it has to be done. You have to really get down to the root, identify that and figure out where you're going in the future by letting go. Yeah, it is hard. And I, you know, I just had a conversation today with a girlfriend of mine and we were talking about these things and she, I had just asked her, I was like, you know, what holds you back? Like what frustrates you about this? And she's like, I just, it sucks that I put like my value and other people and like them telling me if I'm good enough. And, you know, we dug into that and it was just one of those things where that is really hard, especially when, when you don't realize that if somebody makes fun of you or like, you know, I was called that when I was young too. And that was just somebody else projecting their own insecurity on me, but it determined how I was showing up in life. And so we were talking about that today of you're putting your value in other people's hands. Like that's affecting how you're showing up in life. And, you know, you want to be able to show up like 
you and powerful and be the person that you want to be. And you need to be able to, you know, pull that power like back to yourself and have it within versus giving it to the external. Right. It's almost like we want control, but yet we're like subconsciously giving our power away. So it's like we want it, but we, it was right there. We, it was ours to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So Kristen, so when you decided to start doing all of this, so we were called fat. I don't know what your story is. I've never seen you at all until right now, physically. <laughs> so I don't know what, what it was like, but I'm saying like, cause I'm, I'm getting two things here. Like, obviously like, did, did you, you yo-yo? So you lost weight, yeah. gained weight, all that kind of stuff. And then, but becoming this and being empowered and learning all of this, like, did you find a, a weight that you just feel comfortable at? Or are you like, I screw it. It doesn't matter what weight I am. I'm going to be happy no matter what. Yeah. Whether I lose weight or not. So <laughs> I'm going to give you kind of a long-winded answer. So okay. to understand why I was called fat. So when I, nine years old, had that transition, I turned to food and then I just consistently started to gain weight. And by the time that I hit my sophomore year of college, for my personal body, I was about over 200 pounds had really bad acne, lost my period, the whole thing. And I needed to figure something out. And I just didn't know what to do. And the only thing I knew when I went to my parents, they were like, you need to lose the weight and that will fix everything. And the doctor also said that to me too. And I gone to the gynecologist was, you need to lose the weight. So I actually ended up going on to Jenny Craig and I did Jenny for, that was my first like true, like enter into diet world. And right. did it and ended up losing 60 pounds. I lost it quick. And once I, you know, lost that weight, everybody was like, You look great. You look amazing. How did you do it? What did I need to know the secret? Like, you know, all the cliche things that you hear. Yeah. I became obsessed with it because yeah. I was like, Oh my God, I'm noticed and people yeah. think I look great and this is <laughs> awesome. And I finally hit the mark and I'm worth that. And So then after college, you know, you start to transition again into like a desk job. And I, with Jenny, unfortunately, it's pre-planned meal. So like you're just heating something up in the microwave. And I never learned how to actually make a meal. I learned how to nuke something for two minutes and eat it. And that was it. It was all done for me. But I never actually learned how to cook and learned about food or learned anything. And so... In my 20s, I, you know, I did everything from going back on Jenny a handful of times because I kept yo-yoing up and down every time that I went off of it, I'd gain it back because I didn't know how. I, I didn't work through the deep stuff. I only knew how to lose the weight. And then, you know, I tried Weight Watchers. I did rounds of Beach Body. I did Tone It Up. I did Kayla Itness, whatever her name is. You know, anything and everything where it was like you can lose something in three weeks. I was like, I'm in. I'm doing it. Like this is it. This it's gonna work this time, right? (laughs) And so that just lasted for all of my 20s. And then I didn't really understand like what my appropriate weight should even be. I just knew I wanted to be the weight that everybody thought I looked my best at. Yeah, because that made me feel valued and worth it. So actually, when I started the intuitive eating and really breaking down my personal food rules and mending my relationship with food and figuring out what that balance actually looked like, you know, I started because I was terrified of like, am I going to be able to control myself around my favorite ice creams and all the things? And, you know, at first I was like, is this going to work? Is this not? But what I realized and where I became okay with my personal body 
was when I maintained the weight I am currently today for over four years. Woohoo! Good job. It wasn't, you know, I might fluctuate because of a period or, you know, COVID or something. And, but it's truly understanding what is happening in your life from a holistic point of view and understanding that like your body, you're reacting to it and like it's okay. Like your life is changing every single day. But I've been able to maintain my size, all things, and live my life how I want to live it. So when you were starting to do this, what what was it like when you went to your first like happy hour with friends or mm-hmm. cookout or anything like that? Because I know like that happens to a lot of women, myself included. Like I'm like, okay, shoot, I'm gonna meet friends. What's my limit on my calorie intake I can have for drinks while yeah. I'm there? And, and I'm won't lie to you. This has actually been something I've been now reworking on because we had been in quarantine for so long coming back out of quarantine, I know a lot of people are struggling with how do you show up at a social event or a happy hour or, you know, eating out again kind of thing. And for me, I started small. It was about being able to go to dinner and enjoy a dinner. I wanted to be able to enjoy a basket of like Mexican chips and not guilty for it and be able to go to maybe some queso too. Absolutely. And Go guacamole as well. We yes. have trio. All right. Yeah, like trio dip. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to lie. And <laughs> go and not worry about eating those and what I was going to order on the menu. So for me, that was the small step. And once I got that down, I was able to enjoy dinner with my husband and not stress about it. I then started to take those learnings and apply them to a larger social gathering. And then to a happy hour. Versus being like, okay, I have to show up at everything and like everything is fine and I give myself permission and I have the compassion, I have the grace. Like, no, I had to truly kind of take it step by step. Right. I think that's a that's super important because I know that because that's how like we like I identify my anytime I've ever been like the quote unquote where people are like, you look great, you look awesome, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, a lot of those times it's like, well, I'm not having fun. I'm not going out and doing anything because I'm not drinking drinks or anything. So then you reach that point where it's like, F it, I'm going to have some fun. And then it's like total opposite pendulum. And then yeah. I would like, woo, a yo-yo. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. You're like, I'll start again on Monday. Like I yeah. say, you are not going to be the, I'll start again on Monday girl anymore. And <laughs> like you deserve so much better than that. And it is one of those things I go back to it being a choice. And I chose prior to every single occasion of I'm going to enjoy myself and be present and just have fun with my family and friends. And whatever I decide to do in that moment was right for that moment. And it was me telling myself that at first. And then the more I told myself and the more I saw it, I then truly started to believe it and be able to keep implementing it. And when I realized when I was telling myself no, was when I did swing to the other side of the pendulum and completely fall apart. So you mentally got yourself in a space too, where you could understand it was a process. Mm -hmm. It was a slow... Because again, we talk about the quick fixes, right? So it's a quick thing. So from whatever it is, when you made that decision and you read this, had that discussion with your husband mm-hmm. and read this book and started implementing this kind of stuff, like you already were at that space where you're like, okay, like slow and steady. Like I'm not going to yeah. step on a scale for like a few more. You're done with that. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, because what I had told myself was 
okay, I always wanted a quick fix and, and believe me, like they make them look shiny and great and doable and all the answers in the world. For but sure. I was like, the quick fix wasn't working and it didn't yeah. work for a really long time. So what if I just created the mind space to start to let go and try something new and see how I felt? And I just realized I was a lot happier and I felt no pun intended with this, but like a weight had lifted because I wasn't just like so stressed out and frustrated and upset with myself that I wasn't being able to fix all these things. I just kind of was like, you know what? I surrender and I'm going to try something new and start just started literally like one day at a time. I didn't set like this huge goal for myself. I really just tried to focus one day at a time at that point. And that's what I say, like with my clients too, like it is one day, this isn't a quick fix. Like this is your life. And that is what we're working for and towards for you. And I really truly do believe that. And when they start to see these small steps create really massive habit change for them, that's when they start to also realize how much mental mind space starts to open up because they're not constantly thinking about what to eat, how to eat it. Should they eat it? Is it good for them? Is it bad for them? You know, do they need to exercise to burn it off or to get ready for something else because they know they're going to go and quote unquote indulge? You know, that's all stuff we work through, but it amazes them how much their mental capacity does open up. Yeah, it's so important. Like when, when you, in a sense, like you stop chasing perfection, meaning when you're trying to hit that mark 100% of the time, you're going to fall flat and it makes it so much harder and it's that constant pressure to produce and to do more and try more. I, I know for me with my struggles is like, I really took a step back and just shot for 80, 80%. I'd say everything I do in life is like an 80, 20 balance. And it allows me that leeway, that gap, which is like that letting go. And there's days where it's like, okay, what if I only showed up and I'm at 50 or 60%? It's not a big deal because it's a hundred percent of the time I'm showing up as my best self. And that may be, you know, 60, 70, 80% versus trying every single day to show up at 100 where you're definitely going to miss the mark. You know, it just, it, it almost gives you that permission to just let go, take that step back. And like, that was freeing within itself. I know that there's like a quote about that. And I was trying to think of it when, when you're talking and it's like, you know, how just having that, that simple gap, it reduces the pressure to perform and everything starts to open up where, like you said, your mind, you know, everything becomes more clear because you're really just focused on doing one thing. I was just striving every day to be my best, whether it is the 80%, that was my mark that I would try to hit. But if I fell short, it's okay. Because at least I got very close to it. Where perfection, 100%, you're going to basically fail every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when my clients actually like say that, or people ask me, they're like, what if I fail? And I'm like, you really can't fail. And if you believe that you are, we're going to fail forward and we're going to try again. Like you get to choose again, you and what healthy means for you and the life you want to live on your terms. And like, that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, that can be really hard for them because they are so used to this cycle where it is constant, like highs of hope and want, and, you know, they're going to do it this time to those low lows of, I failed yet again, and now I have to start over and it's never going to change for me. And, but it is possible, like you can make a different change and try something different and just open up your mind space into something so much bigger. Those are such great, great lessons because it, it, it does allow you just to, it's like when you give your, your mind that space, you're able to try on different techniques that work for you. 
and you don't feel that pressure to nail it every single time. But I always just say, you know, give it a shot, test it out. If it doesn't work, scrap it, you know, let go of what's not serving you and keep what, what is. And so everything, there, there is no one size fits all with anything. And it really is just like trial and error, but you can't be chasing after somebody else's diet plan or weight number or body type or whatever that may be, because you have to really take a step back, figure out what is right for you. And it is trial and error. Eventually you find something that is sustainable. And that's the, that's the key for any sort of lifestyle and, you know, dieting or, you know, whatever it is you set you up, set yourself up for the long term. Ask yourself if whatever diet you're on, is it maintainable and is it sustainable? Can you foresee yourself living and eating this way for the next three months, nine months, 12 months, five years, 10 years. And if the answer is no from the get-go, that's not the diet for you. Diet, it's just really is a consumption of food and, and liquids, whatever you consume. And that's it. But when we look at it from a nutrition standpoint, we need to start filling ourselves with whole, real, healthy foods, but give yourself that 20% or whatever percentage that you have made as your agreement for yourself to enjoy drinks, you know, chips, guac and cheese, mm-hmm. you know, and these are all the things in moderation. And so it sets you up for that sustainability long-term. And it's just, you're not going to fail because mm-hmm. you already gave yourself that grace. And yes. if you're going to hit, you know, chips, salsa and guac every single day, well, then that's a hundred percent. So that's what you're going to get. Right. And the feelings too, is we always set like goals to like, okay, I want to lose X amount of pounds by whatever date, you know what I mean? And then it's like, if you don't hit it, I know people like myself, I've been like, well, screw it. (laughs) Didn't make it or whatever. But I'm just saying, so thinking of like putting time limits on our our success of what we're trying to achieve instead of like, it didn't take us this long to become like, I'm like personally with myself right now, like I have a two and a half month old baby and I do not like my body, but I have to remind myself and other people tell me like, it took you almost a year to create a baby and then birth a baby. and then take care and keep a baby alive. So, but in my mind, I'm like, like probably before it was like, what's the thing I can buy that'll make me get back to my postpartum, my prepartum weight in three weeks and four weeks or whatever it is, you know? So, so the patience, I guess, and that, and then just like what Rachel was saying too, like when you just feed your body, what, what it naturally needs and wants anyways, like those cravings, I feel like a lot of times it's like, I don't know how you felt Kristen before, but I feel like sometimes I'm, I like feel like I'm a food addict. Like Mm -hmm. I need it and I know I don't, but God, do I want it so bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely had that. And I realized what it was is because I had told myself no for so long that when I started to say, no, you can have it now. I believed that I was never going to be able to have it again. Yeah. But then when I kept a lot, like saying to myself, giving myself the permission to be like, no, you like food is neutral. You can eat whatever you want to and whatever your body's craving in that moment or what you need, you can have it. Then I was able to truly create that balance and not that I was never going to be able to eat, you know, those things in my freezer ever again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why when we, when we put foods as off limit foods, it creates a scarcity. And as soon as we see that, we devour it because we just feel like we're never going to have it again. And that, that creates that like FOMO and it's that, that repetitive cycle that if you actually allow yourself, like when I first really started getting into this, you know, for me, it was like, I, I would binge on Reese's. I love Reese's now. I mean, if it's there, you know, half the time, if I have a choice, I'd pass it up. It's not a big deal for me. 
And, you know, same with like a pan of brownies. That was like my, oh my gosh, if I make the pan of brownies and it, it sat on the counter, I know when I would go to bed at night, I would not stop until that pan was clear. It was almost like a reset button. So I would eat an entire yeah. pan of brownies because the next day, if it wasn't there, therefore I cannot eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just yeah. like, that's that cycle that we go through. Whereas like, if I just have a brownie or two and you know, some days maybe I want three or four, but it's not a big deal because I didn't eat a whole pan. And how often do I eat brownies? Yeah. You know, if that was one time and ate four brownies, okay, well there's, you know, 365 days and I ate it maybe twice a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I learned so many things from my clients too, when they start to give themselves the permission of like, okay, I can, I can eat it where they don't want what is in their house anymore, what they deemed like bad and that they yeah. shouldn't have in their house. And, you know, and I challenged them. I'm like, you know, do you want that bag of Oreos? Like I challenged one client with that. I was like, do you want that bag of Oreos? You know, give you the permission to buy that bag, give yourself that permission to do it and just let it sit in your house and see what happens. She let that bag sit in her house for literally almost a month and she never touched it. Right. Because wow. she was like, I knew it was there. I knew I could have it. I just, she was like, I just didn't really want it. And those are the things I love to celebrate with them. And every single time I meet with a client, we always start sessions off with like, what it, not just like what you learned this week, but like, let's celebrate something. Like what it was a huge thing, success for you that wasn't just also food related because it helps them to start see these other little pieces of transformation in their life that isn't always associated with food or weight or what we naturally think success looks like. Right. So So now that you have all this freedom, I feel like too, like with Rachel's book to your freedom, but um, (laughs) like you just enjoy life more. I do. Like you're not worried about like, oh, I'm going on vacation or I'm at a wedding or whatever. Like you're not like stressed out about like, shit, I gotta, let me see if I can eat this or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just pure life enjoyment. Yeah. And that, that is true. And that for me became into like true, like life lesson actually on my honeymoon. And I had this, I wanted to wear a two piece and I had not worn a two piece. And since I was a kid and I had this goal, I was like, I don't care where I am, what my weight is, whatever. I'm going to enjoy myself. I want to wear this two piece. And I ended up wearing it the last day of our honeymoon. And because my husband was like, this was your goal. Like you're going to do it. Like you're putting this on. (laughs) What if everybody makes fun of me? And like, like, you know, all that fear was going through and all this, like, what if they judge me? I took my cover off off and I can tell you this, nobody looked at me. Nobody cared. Everybody else was sitting there worried about themselves. And that was like a huge moment for me where I was like, oh my gosh, I've been so worried all these years of what everybody else is going to think of me. Nobody even noticed. <laughs> and you're like, Timmy, notice me. They're all self-conscious. They're all bathing suits. And that was <laughs> yeah, exactly. like a real like kick in the butt to be like, own it, wear it, stop Rock it. wasting your time. Like just wear it, rock it. Be yeah. First right. of all, way to go, husband. I yeah. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> Yeah, we just, Rachel and I, we were just talking about that the other day too. I was talking about like being at the pool sometimes. And like, I would, if I notice somebody like, I, I don't notice, I don't pay attention to anybody else, but I, but you get so worried about like, oh, you yourself. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care what anybody else is wearing or what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. So like when that realization happened, it, again, it was just like another layer 
truly coming off of me of just being able then to build my confidence, keep boosting it, and then know that my value was not in somebody else's. So this could get into a very big tangent and a long discussion, especially with the both of you too. So we'll see if we can keep it within limits. But (laughs) I get so curious as I'm always wondering like, where does it even come from that, you know, when you're like a little kid and like you just play and you don't worry about anything at all, but like, where does it come from that women like that we care about obviously marketing, I guess, but like what we look like in our weight and clothing and all that kind of stuff, like that has to like develop from somewhere at some point. And then it just owns you or doesn't, but owns people the rest of their life. Right. It's like those unspoken rules that have been placed upon in our society that is projecting everything we see and do. I mean, TV, I mean, especially at a young age, we're young and impressionable. I mean, the the dolls that we're playing with look a certain way you know, the cartoons that we even watched looked a certain way. And so it was almost just this precedence that this was what was considered acceptable and normal. And when you start to develop like this awareness, you know, like kind of just, I mean, through a child's eyes, you just say, oh, well, how come that person gets to do this? Or how come it's like the seed of comparison starts to be planted. And now you have eyes and you could clearly see, okay, I don't look like that person. So there must be something wrong with me. And we just start now that comparison grows because we're looking for proof to validate that now said belief. And so all this, all this starts inside. And it's like, this is why it's so important to go back to the basics of where you were to identify those roots. And then that's where those wounds you can really heal and start uncovering and, and rewriting that belief print, the blueprint that we've adapted and adopted our entire life. And I completely agree with that. And I think too, if you start to even just look within your own family unit and maybe how like your mom grew up or your dad grew up and what their personal beliefs are too, you know, like you can see where some of that gets projected onto you. Like for example, and like, this is a very vulnerable story to share, but I remember saw my grandma poke my mom in the stomach and she told her she needed to lose weight. And I remember seeing that like in the kitchen during a holiday And I mean, that is like burned into my brain. And I just saw how my mom felt in that moment. And and it just started to click, you know, why she would treat me being overweight the way she was treating me because that was how she was treated. And that was why weight was such a huge focus in our household. And I think it is externally what you've been taught and also just internally within your family unit. And for me, like one step further, when I was learning about my own personal story, I put so much of my worth in other people liking me. And it was in that transitional moment when I was nine, transitioning to a new school and wanting friends. And I had a really hard time making friends. And I just really wanted everybody to like me. And then again, that just started to spiral into other other things. So right. yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> What it is comes from everywhere. And you know? I think you with women too, because our bodies are naturally going to at some point change as we get older yeah but what we're told right now that we can't age you know (laughs) you get wrinkles we have a cream for that we have a this for that we are you got gray hair we have color for this and so we're we're almost stunting the natural process of what a woman is supposed to be i want to be a fine wine (laughs) i want to be a fine wine like men you know why can they be a fine wine but we have to be 
Yeah. Like I said, yeah. It, a non-matured wine. Right. <laughs> it's these expectations that are just ridiculous. And it's almost like we have to just change this whole, it's like a movement that women are doing nowadays. And it's really what our mission here in the, with the podcast and the work that we do is to bring awareness to these things and yeah. let others know that just because a system had, you know, an antiquated system, it doesn't mean that it has to work today for mm-hmm. you now. We don't have to adapt and identify to something that, you know, was historically set for somebody else. We yeah. could change our legacy. We can change, you know, what, what's hereditary passed down to us doesn't have to be the legacy we, we pass on to the next person. Yeah. And that's all it us. Yeah. I consider it like setting that should aside. Like, why should I have to do like what everybody else was doing? Or like, why should I have to look this certain way or act a certain way? I think yeah. should should be taken out of... <laughs> Yeah, our dictionary, and you know, you get to define whatever that means for you, right? We're just always are comparing ourselves all the time. Yeah, and Instagram's the devil sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. and that's like another thing is like understanding, you know, who's in your feed and like what who's showing up and like what is their message and how do they look and is it diverse in terms of body, diverse in terms of you know all the other conversations happening right now and you know, making sure that you are getting a plethora of information and not just one type of message. So so that you can make an educated decision and choice for yourself. Right. And we also have to take the, you know, seek and you will find. So whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. So if you're looking for the proof to Mm -hmm. validate that belief about yourself, guess what? You're going to find it. If you're going to replace that belief with an empowering belief that shows that your value and worth you're also going to find that too. So it all depends on which one you choose. So what you feed will grow. So you have to really take a step back again, awareness, take responsibility, identify your triggers and emotional roots of everything and, and really know who you are. Because yeah. if you know who you are, then you know where you're going. Like mm-hmm. That's just really important. Know who you yeah. are and be firm in who that, who that person is. Yeah. And that is, yeah. Always ask yourself, who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? Mm-hmm. And are they congruent with the actions that you're aligned with? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. We could talk about this for days, hours, <laughs> years, everything. I mean, we, this is like the common thread with so many women and mm-hmm. it takes us, our work and, and the three of us here having this honest conversation because we really need to change the language. We really need to change how we're showing up, not only for ourselves, but for our listeners, for our clients, for other women, you know, in the future, because it's not okay to just accept what is already passed on. If, if it doesn't feel right, challenge it. Absolutely. Find something that works for you. Absolutely. So, oh my goodness. This is amazing that, that we had this conversation. And it just seems timely because I swear like our stories are identical. Yeah. So if you haven't... They're pretty damn possible. close. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but everyone's story is different. It's unique to each own. And that's why it's just important, again, to, to be that voice to speak out because you give other women courage to really step into their, their truths and they're able to do something about it once we shine that light on them. So anyway, how can listeners find you? Yeah, um, you can find me uh, at my website. It's just kristenkunk.com. And then I'm on Instagram at kristenkunk. So it's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-K-U-N-K. I'm right. just keeping it simple like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's me. It's my story up front, up center. I just want to... I'm just... All I want is to help other women and change their lives and know that they are worth so much more than starting over on another day so that's awesome love it i love it 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yes, don't thank you guys. It was so nice to talk to you and meet you. And I really appreciate this. So thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. For more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's the Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Aaron underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.